0: I finally saw the little message that was on the little guy's phone. It was from his pastor saying, I've just been thinking about you. Can we get together? You never know when the Lord drops something into your heart or your spirit about someone just sending a text. I sent one to a little girl this, uh, this week. I, same thing. And I, on Monday, I said, just thinking about you. And she said, you don't know how much that meant to me. High school, little high school. Girl. You never know what God, is, what God is doing in their hearts. You never know what they're going through. So we need to act on those impulses, those Holy Spirit unctions. Is that right? How many is ready to be healed today? I'm going to start today on recognizing the roadblocks to healing. And people will often ask, does God always heal? You ever have you ever heard that or have you ever been asked that question? The question might be better phrased, do people always get healed? You know, we could say, does God always save? But the question might be more appropriate to say, do people always get saved? So I, I think the answer in, for both of this is the same in the situation. God has made provision for our healing just like he's made for our salvation. Do all people get saved? No. Do all people get healed? No. Does God want all people saved? Yes. Does God want all people healed? Yes. And there are some very concrete reasons why people do not get saved. And there's concrete reasons why people do not get healed. You know, we Penny last week looked at the un- unchurched people groups. Many times the reason people do not get saved is because they never hear the gospel. Or when they hear a gospel, it's not the right message. It's not the right gospel, is it? And sometimes people don't understand the message of the gospel. Well, there's also reasons that people do not get healed. And many times it's because they have not received a word of healing. Many times they have not understood the word of healing. There's many, many reasons. And I'm going to try to cover as many as I can between today, Wednesday night, and Sunday, next Sunday morning. But I want to start with just a couple of truths about healing. And these are things that we absolutely have to have. We have to understand that these are biblical truths concerning healing. And number one is that God desires that you be healed. How many need healing in your body today? God desires that you be healed. God desires that you be healed. God has done everything that's necessary for our healing. In Psalm 103.3, it says, "...He forgives all my sins and heals all of my diseases." To believe that God wouldn't heal this, but it's like saying, well, God, I know you can forgive me for this sin, but can you forgive me for that sin? Of course he can. There's nothing that's greater than the name of Jesus. There's nothing that's more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion. This is the NLT, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be what? Healed. That's the price he paid for you and for me. First Peter two twenty four confirms that he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds we are healed. That's current. That's present tense, right? By his wounds we are healed. Exodus fifteen twenty six. And these are just a few of the scriptures that we find throughout the Bible. It says, "For I am the Lord God who heals." Who you? I'm the Lord God who heals you, a Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord God who heals you. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent out His Word and healed them. Who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Matthew 15.30 says, they laid, before, they laid them before Jesus and He healed some of them. He healed all of them. Scripture after Scripture in the New Testament, Jesus healed all who came to Him. That's the example that Jesus is giving to us. And so I think the Bible clearly gives us examples of God's desire to heal all of us, all of his people. And I want to look at a very practical and very natural reasons that good people sometimes do not receive healing. And we know that there are good people sometimes who have not received healing. So if you're struggling with your healing today, what I want you to do is do what Jesus said to do. And that's to keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on go- coming to him. You know, it's, I think somebody mentioned that who, somebody was talking about the door not having, uh, Dr. Bill, not having a, a doorknob on the other side. We have to open the door. Jesus says, you keep asking me, you keep believing. We have to understand that. It's never for you to get into judgment or condemnation if, you, if you're struggling, or maybe you know someone who, who didn't get their healing. Don't get into condemnation and don't get judgmental. It's not about that at all. It's not about that at all. Good, many good people, for whatever re- many different reasons, do not receive healing. But that's not God's plan. That's never God's plan, okay? I I also ask that you not compromise or discredit the Word of God based on what you see, what you feel, and what you hear. You know, you might not feel like you're well, so you start speaking the sickness and the problem. Like Ron, Ron always spoke his healing. He never spoke the sickness. Every time he would leave, I I know I'm healed, I know I'm the healed. And what happens? They go, well, we don't see what they saw here at the VA hospital. We don't see that at Duke when he first talked to me he said I don't have cancer it's gone it's gone we should have gotten Tom up to to give a testimony about Cheryl's healing from brain surgery miraculous supernatural speedy recovery sometimes God does use doctors doctors are a gift to God to his people so we, we appreciate doctors and God uses doctors but that healing is just as miraculous as a miracle if you think about it and God, I've, I've said this so many times, God sometimes will have instantaneous miracles. But he will always have a plan for health and your healing. Sometimes he'll have a, a, a miracle, other times he will have a plan for, for your health. And, but God is not a genie in a bottle that we rub the genie and we just say, Okay, God, pop out my miracle, pop out my blessing, and I'm not done my part of what I need to do. I'm going to give you a scripture. I don't have it on the slide, but it's Proverbs 18:9. And this is out of the Amplified. It says, He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him who is a destroyer. And he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. Right out of the Amplified. Let me read that again. I'm going to read that last part. He who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. Let me translate that. If you don't know if you're not doing what you know to do, you're asking for problems. You're asking for situations, you're asking for health issues. So that's truth number one is that God desires that we be healed and He has made provision for that healing. How many of you have had a problem in your physical body and God has given you a series of things you need to do? Yeah, I see the hands. I keep thinking about Becky. God told her to eliminate a couple of things from her diet. She went from full-blown MS to, wow, that must have been a mistake. Or this was your lucky days, what you were told, right? Went from full-blown MS to nothing, on, no lesions on the brain. Let me tell you, that was a miracle. But God also gave her a plan, right? Many of you that are struggling with physical issues, you might need the plan God wants you to have. It might be a lifestyle plan. It might be an eating plan. It might be an exercise plan. It might be to rest, as, as uh, Joanna was talking about. We just need to rest. We need to get out of fear. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. But, but truth number two is God created our bodies according to his natural and his spiritual laws. Let me give you a scripture. Genesis 2-7 says, In the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the earth, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. The King James says a living soul. Let me just give you some definitions. That word form, it's not just speaking, it means to fashion. And it's, it's used generally like a potter who's fashioning, fashioning a piece of pottery on his wheel. God fashioned, he formed mankind. It wasn't just throw it together and up it co- pops, you know. It wasn't the genie in the bottle thing. So it says God God formed the man. The word also occurs in the sense of God's framing or devising something in his mind is used of his preordained purposes. So it's talking about God formed you for preordained purposes. And then it says as well as his current plans. And then we see where God breathed into this man that he formed, his breath, and that's what makes him a spiritual being. We know we know this, right? We also have a spiritual truth, and that is you reap what you sow, right? You reap what you sow, and so broken laws carry consequences. Broken laws carry consequences. How many of ever had a speeding ticket? I I haven't had one in a while, but I, I was just flying to pick up the girls at daycare. I think it was just the girl at that time. And I was going down, and I had just switched from a 25 to a 35 to a 25, but I didn't stop. I just kept going 37, 38. This nice little policeman pulls me over, and he's very nice, he's very apologetic that he has to give me a ticket. And I'm very appreciative that he's doing his job. And so he said, "Now, if you want to, you can go online and possibly you can get mercy. So just apply for mercy." And so my husband said, "No, we're going to call the attorney." I said, "No, we're not. I was guilty. There's a consequence." If our attorney keeps getting us out of these things, you know, the consequence, you know, if you don't have a consequence, you're going to repeat it, right? So <laughs> so I go online and I and I go in there and I'm thinking, oh no, well, I know the DA, what if she sees that I had a ticket? Now I'm embarrassed, you know, that I had a speeding ticket, but I just went ahead and did it, and sure enough they reduced it to improper equipment. See, I had mercy. But see, there was a consequence to br- I still had to pay the court costs, by the way. So there was a consequence to breaking a, a law that was in place. And, and so our body, has, our body has natural biological laws. And if we break these laws, there's going to be a consequence. Let me just give you some of the natural systems of the body that God created. When God was fashioning us and, and, and forming us, this is what he did. He created a circulatory system. We know how important that is, right? Circulates blood, carries oxygen and nutrients to other parts of the body. What happens if your veins get clogged? You're breaking, you're violating the law that the body was designed in, right? Designed for. If your veins get clogged, your blood doesn't flow right, your blood pressure shoots up and sometimes you may die. How about digestive or excretory system? That absorbs nutrients and removes waste. What happens when those things go bad? People have to go on dialysis. Right? To purify their blood. The endocrine system. This influences the function of the body using hormones. The exocrine system. The skin, the hair, the nails, sweat, and other exocrine glands. The immune system. That's something we hear a lot about today. With the virus, what are you doing to boost your immune system? Well, we're doing several things. You know, number one is we take the elderberry, you know, little supplement. That'll boost up your immune system. Drink water. Drink water don't smoke that lowers your immune get out of stress that lowers your immune system and as much as I hate to say it you need to reduce sweets Zach so you gotta he's saying no he says I'm gonna take my chances we reduced our sweets so much that on the way from from uh, we were in Tanglewood this weekend on the way home Terry said I believe that we need a donut for this uh, coronavirus so they had an incredible Krispy Kreme there, and they're all making them for St. Patrick's Day. So they were nice and warm and green. So, but use things with <laughs> yeah, use things with balance. Do things with balance. And then we have, of course, the muscular system, which enables our body to move. Uh, what happens if you don't use your muscle? If you don't use it, you lose it, right? Okay, that's a natural consequence of, you know, the renal system, the urinary system. That's what I'm about, filtering blood, the reproductive system. We're all here because we have reproductive systems, right? Uh, the respiratory system brings oxygen in and removes carbon dioxide from our lungs. The skeletal system maintains... A... So you see how God made us so incredibly wonderful and marvelous. But He made these are all based on natural laws, right? Biological laws that he put into place. It's not hocus-pocus stuff. They're very predictable. You know, if you're a man, if you're in, if you're a man from China and you, ha- you come to this nation and you have a heart problem and you get rushed to the hospital, they're not going to say, oh, no, this is a man from China. We don't know how the hearts work in China. Or your lung or your kidneys. Mankind is mankind. God created mankind this way. Very, very reproducible, very predictable. And so we have to understand that when we break or violate God's laws that there will be consequences. Now, sometimes it's involuntary. Sometimes it's not necessarily us making conscious choices. Sometimes babies are born with genetic disorders and sicknesses and things like that. Sometimes people get sick just because they live in the broken environment, but God has still given to us a body that can heal itself if we're doing the things we need to do. This is when we need to seek God for a plan for our health, right? keeping that immune system built up so the immune system can consume these free radical cells that want to destroy our bodies so that's number two number three is god created us spirit soul and body god created us spirit soul and body and i'm gonna go back to genesis 2 7 and i'm gonna use the kjv this time it says the lord god formed man that's the body of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the spirit. And man became a living soul. So we see now we have spirit, we have soul, and we have body. And we know many times it might be that the soul is what gives us problems. You know What is the soul? And I'm going to touch on this briefly, but I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of move a little away from that. But our soul is basically your collective personality. It's who you are. It's your emotions, it's your will, it's your, it's your desires, it's your appetite, it's, it's your mind. So it's, it's kind of the collection of your mind and another part called your heart, which we're going to talk about. So, and we look at the word soul, in that, that word in the Hebrew means breath. It means breath. So God breathed into man and became a living soul. And so man became a living spirit when God breathed in him the breath of life. And at the time of creation, this is very important, at the time of creation, that spirit was alive to God. Okay? We've got to understand this. At the time of creation, the spirit was alive to God. When sin entered into the world, we like to say the spirit was dead. I'd rather say it went to sleep. The spirit, when, when sin entered into the world, the spirit went to sleep. And that's why, that's why Jesus had to come to wake up that spirit. So that we could once again have communication and relationship with God. So that's very important, very important. So we see that due to Adam's sin, we are all born spiritually dead. I'll use that in quotes, to God. And Jesus came to restore life. Romans 5:14:18 tells us that our spirit is how we communicate with God, 1 Corinthians 2:11 and 12. But what and how we feed our spirit, our, our soul will determine the condition of our life very very important if you're struggling with sickness right now what you're feeding your soul will determine to a large degree if you recover or if you get the health what are you speaking what are you saying what is your mind believing because the brain is going to send signals to the body with whatever you feed it garbage in garbage out right garbage in garbage out so what and how we feed the soul will determine the condition of our life. Third John 2 says we prosper and remain in health What? as our soul prospers. So, so our soul is kind of like the programming of our life. Have you programmed yourself for sickness or have you programmed yourself for health? What kind of program have you got in place in your life? Because whatever is running in the background of your life is going to control everything about you. It's going to control the decisions you make, the words that you speak, so how are you? How are you? Pro, what is your soul programmed with? Is it programmed with the negativity of the doctor's report? And we believe that Jesus said, "Speak to the mountain." He didn't say, "Don't." He didn't say, "Ignore the mountain." He said, "Speak to the mountain." Speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus. I declare that that cancer is underneath the name of Jesus, Jehovah Rapha. I don't doubt that it's there. The doctor said it was there. I have symptoms it's there, but the but the truth is, God says he heals me. The facts are I have it. The truth is he heals. What are we programming ourselves to believe? So the soul is the culmination of the activities of the heart and the mind, and that's what I really want to focus on. Matthew 22:37. Jesus said to them, "You must love the Lord your God what? all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind." So there's obviously three distinct components of the immaterial man. Our spirit, excuse me, our heart, our soul, and our mind. Three very important parts. I want you to think about this now. Just bear with me a minute. We're going to jump over into something else, but I want you to bear with me. I'm going to give you the distinctions between the three. It's very important that we understand this. Number one, the mind is where we process information objectively. Objectively, it's a data input point. See, the mind does, and the mind and the mind and the brain are two different things. But I'm going to use them right here, kind of a little. Just give me some grace here. The mind does not form an opinion on the information it receives. The mind does not form an opinion on the information that it receives. Garbage in, garbage out. If you grew up in a culture. That taught you that certain behaviors were acceptable, your mind just receives that as data. But it's only when the heart gets involved that we begin to form opinions on that information that we have received. So the heart is where we subjectively look at information that has been received. The heart forms an opinion and establishes a value on what the mind has received. See, the mind might receive, the doctor says, I have cancer, but the heart is saying, well that might be a fact, but the truth is god 's word says he 's the Lord God who heals all of my diseases. See the mind might the mind might say that um, how many of you before you were born again believed in some ungodly behaviors? Anybody all of you should raise your hand lying is one of them right okay okay You think about abortion before I was born again. I never thought anything about abortion. I never crossed my mind. I actually helped a friend get an abortion. But you know, the day I got born again, nobody had to tell me that was wrong. Because the light went off in my spirit, man, that illuminated the Word of God that I was reading that finally put a value on this thing that the mind had taken in. Does that make sense? So the, so the heart is basically that part that forms a... It's the foundational base of our core values. Your heart is that foundational base. It's where we assign value and truth to information. So you might have been raised to believe that people of another race are inferior to you whatever that way that goes. That's information, right? But when you finally get illuminated into what is really godly, godly thought, godly God's way of doing things, you finally begin, wait a minute, my heart's not going to hold that value any longer because I know that's not right. Our heart is where we choose to cast down every imagination that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Believe me, neuroscientists are showing us now that the heart, not the one that pumps the, org, the, the blood, but there's a heart part of man, they call it the mini brain, but it has much more electromagnetic energy and power than our big brain. And it's only when the little brain and the big brain get into agreement that you can truly have faith. Because otherwise the mind is here, See, the mind stores things like a file cabinet. So everything that happens, you stored in that file cabinet with no, with no uh, judgment placed upon it. But it's when we get into, get into the heart of man, it's when we have the opportunity to form, a, form an opinion. What does God's word say about this? What do I really think about this? I tell my guys all the time in group, I said, you've got to decide what your core values are and what your life values Most of them say, I don't even know what you're talking about core values. How were you raised? I was raised to believe this, this, and this. I said, but do you believe it? Well, I never thought about it. Never really thought about it. You know, I, I've told you several times about when we were raised about the storms. My mother was scared to death of storms. We'd go huddle in a room and close the blinds, and nobody could speak or nobody could laugh and nobody could play cards because we might get struck by lightning. And we grew up that way. And so every time when I'm an adult now, 19 or 20, I'm thinking every time a storm comes up, I'm going to get killed chances are, you know, but then I had this thought, wait a minute, that information is not, not really in my heart because I don't, I've never been struck by lightning in my whole life. I've never seen anyone struck by lightning. You know, somebody asked on Facebook, hey, do you know anybody who has the coronavirus? <laughs> I don't know anybody's who got the coronavirus. I mean, I hope I don't ever find anybody with a coronavirus. But sometimes, see, we'll grab hold of information and we don't really reason with it and we don't allow faith to get mixed with what information we have and so we allow fear to come in and take the place of our faith. And faith is not foolishness. I've said it time and time again. So that's the mind. The heart is where we form and where we subjectively look at the information we have objectively received. And then the soul is the character or personality that's shaped by the choices of acting on what is in our heart. So our personality is shaped by who's ruling our heart. Who or what's ruling our heart. Our, our character, our personality is shaped in form. You are known by what's ruling your heart. You are known if you're a person of integrity. You're known if you're a person who's generous or stingy. You're known if you're a person who's faithful. You're known by these things. And so we're shaped by who or what rules our heart. And so it tells us in Psalm, uh, excuse me, yeah, rules our heart. Psalm nineteen, one nineteen, eleven said, listen to this. I never really thought about this until this week, by the way. Never really, never really separated all this out until this week. It pays to get away, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Psalm one nineteen, one eleven. suddenly my eyes are drawn to everything in the word that says about the heart. Psalm 119.11, David said, Your laws are my treasure, they are my heart's delight. See, the Word of God now is a delight in my heart, not just an in intellectual knowledge. This is why people can sit all their lives in churches and quote Scripture just like that, but it never got into their hearts. This is why I can tell us in John John's epistle that if, you, if you're comfortable in your sin, you would never known Him because the Word never got into your heart. See, so you're only as strong as what, what you believe in your mind, but your heart, the heart that's much more powerful is not there to guide you in the way you should go. Isaiah 51 7 said, Listen to me, you who know right from wrong, you who cherish my law in your hearts. Do not be afraid of people's scorn, nor fear of their insults. What did David say? I hide your word where? Not in my mind, but in my heart. I don't hide your word in my mind, I hide it in my heart. Your mind might be telling you all day long, you're quoting the Ten Commandments, but is it in your heart? Is it in there enough that is causing a change in our life? And that's what repentance is. The spirit man gets on fire and the spirit man begins to feed the heart. Which brings us to the primary scripture I wanted to use today. I had to give you all that little pre- preliminary, and that's Proverbs 4.23. We've, we've looked at this scripture so many times. But it says above all. Now remember, the soul is that culmination of the heart and the and the mind. But it says above all, you guard. What are you to guard? Your heart. Above everything, you guard. Doesn't say guard your mind. It says guard your heart. Stuff's information is going to come into your mind, and you look at it objectively. But what is the heart going to do with that information? Above all, we guard. We're to guard our heart. Listen to this, because it determines the course of our life. This is why Christians, you've got to be careful what you're taking into your heart. You take it through your eyes, you take it through your ears, you take it through your influence. What are you allowing into your heart? What is it that you focus on? Whatever you focus on, you're going to become like. Whatever you, whatever you, um, if you're believing that God doesn't heal, then you know what? You're right. (laughs) He's not going to heal. If you believe, you know, we, we just got to realize that the word of God is truth, but do we grab hold of that word in our heart? Or we believe in what everybody else says? We need to be careful. You know, there's just something about all this coronavirus that's not clicking with me. There's just something that's not quite right about all this stuff. You know, and, and, it, and it's not that I have any knowledge here. It's just in my heart I'm, here, I'm hearing tilt. Something's not right. Something's not right just doesn't make sense. How many of you believers have, have been somewhere or heard something or been involved with somebody and you, your heart goes tilt? And you're thinking, I don't know why I'm this way. My heart's just telling me something's not right here. That's the Spirit of God that's ruling into your heart. But I have hidden your word in my heart. The heart, and listen, this is the definition out of the Hebrew. It's the locus or the seat of a person's thoughts, their mind, their volition, their emotions, their knowledge of right from wrong, consciousness is understood as the heart and the soul are so closely uh, connected sometimes it's hard to even make the distinction so it's that that very seat or that foundation of a person's thought their mind, their volition, what are you doing with what's coming into your mind is this making sense I know this is presented a little bit differently but I got excited when the Lord showed me this about 2 o'clock one morning that's when he seems to teach the best. Have you, have you anybody else noticed that? It's hard to get those messages when you're running through the day, isn't it? And then he says, "Guard your heart," but then he says, "Because it will determine the course of life." Now, listen to this. This is not the Lunida Lexicon. It says, "The course of life means to have a prosperous, bountiful, blessed, favorable circumstances in life, contrasted with a cursed, unfavorable time, or life." He says, so be very careful what you put into your heart. What you receive is truth, is what it's saying, because what you receive is truth will determine the course that your life takes. So that's about everything. Number one, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the Word of God? You know, I told you many, many years ago, right after being born again, the Lord said, you've got to decide what you're going to believe, my word or what makes sense to your head. I said, I choose to believe your word even if I don't understand it. That word gets hidden in your heart, and then that, that word that word just begins to take bloom, and it, it just creates, you know, you, you go back through the scriptures and look at all the times where the heart is mentioned. I told you, Psalm 119.11, he says, I've hidden your word that I might not sin against you. Job 10.1 says, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. Why? Because the heart has taken on negativity. Proverbs 14, 30 says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Is your heart at peace? Or is your heart all jumbled up? So when our soul is sick, our soul and our heart are sick. If your heart's sick, your soul's going to be sick. If your soul's sick, your body's going to be sick. So when our soul is sick, our body is sick. Now I want to give you some data this is from, from scientific journals, okay? You, is that okay? I know a lot of y'all like that, okay. Let me just read. This came out of the Soul Sickness Journal of the American Osteopathic Association. I love this. They even had the term soul sickness or demoralization. Listen to this. It's characterized by feelings of hopelessness. I love the video, the, there is hope. A sick soul has no hope. And helplessness, listen to this, and a perceived sense of incompetence. This condition typically involves vague, unexplained physical symptoms. If you ever had a symptom and the doctor doesn't know what to call it, So we just must have a virus. We don't really know what this is, so it must be this. And then he goes on to say, Patients with this condition require a restoration of their morale and hope. Soul sickness is a diagnosis that one will not find described in medical textbooks. Dr. Bill, you ever wrote a prescription for soul sickness? No. You probably could give a gospel, right? Okay. Nevertheless, this is Dr. Charles Paracas. Nevertheless, I encounter this condition many times a day among patients in the family practice where I work. In my experience, patients with what I refer to as a soul sickness typically have these symptoms, vague, unexplained symptoms such as body pains, dizziness, fatigue, headaches, and insomnia. Now, there could be organic reasons for these, but he's saying that many times people, he can't find a a root cause to why I'm at, why do I have headaches all the time? You know, there's a reason for that. I had headaches all the time, and when the Lord said, get off of beef, pork, and chicken, the headaches went away. It wasn't the beef, pork, and chicken. It was better, but I think it was all the chemicals that was in there. It's amazing. And then he says, They may have been diagnosed as having such conditions as chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic Lyme disease, chronic pain syndrome, fibromyalgia, migraine headaches, multiple chemical sensitivity syndrome, or any of a host of emerging new diagnoses. Now, is this a real thing with these people? Absolutely. They're not, they're not pretending like they're sick and they're not sick. This is a reality in their lives. But it's a soul sickness that's creating a physical manifestation in their bodies. So we're living in a world that is fear-driven today by the coronavirus fear frenzy, I call it. And it's consuming the world, and the world's in panic. You know, we went to four, four grocery stores yesterday just trying to find toilet tissue for our office. I tried online and they didn't have it. They said maybe April to May. I'm just going to say can we tell our clients, can you wait to April to May to you know, go to the potty? But it was crazy. I went into one store and there were four packs and I grabbed up four and the lady came up to me like a little lost puppy and I said, You need toilet tissues, yeah, so I split them with her. She said, I need it really badly. But we see this so we're canceling schools, and we're and I'm not saying these things are bad. I mean, sometimes there is a need to do these things, and I, I'm glad that our government is proactive in some of these things. I really am. We want to prevent some stuff, but I I really think tilt something's not right here. Something's not right here. It seems like we've moved from reason to reaction. It's a public pandemic. Psychologists and public health experts say public anxiety is high and is largely fueled by a feeling of powerlessness. Powerlessness. And there's a high level of fear permeating our nation. Some of the um, fear, let me just give you a definition on fear. Fear is the most damaging of the negative emotions, by the way. Fear is an emotion that God has programmed into our brain as a safety mechanism. But, but to the extreme, any you know, shame is good as long as it's used for godly purposes to re, you know to cause us to turn from sin. All emotions are amoral. Anger is good when it's used to justify unrighteousness. But when it becomes chronic, <coughs> excuse me, when it becomes chronic, it becomes a problem. It becomes a problem. So unhealthy fear. This is a definition. Living under constant threat has serious health consequences. Fear, listen to this, fear weakens our immune system. So it's kind of, you know, we're like a hamster on a wheel. We're scared to death we're going to get the corona, the, what is the corona, corona, corolla, whatever it is, <laughs> that virus. We're, we're scared we're going to get it, and our fear is causing our immune systems to be weakened so that we're more susceptible to get it. It's kind of silly when you think about it, right? <clears throat> so living under constant threat has serious health consequences. Fear weakens our immune system. It can cause cardiovascular damage. Gastrointestinal problems such as ulcer, irritable bowel syndrome, decreased fertility. It can lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. Fear causes stress and anxiety. Fear causes stress and anxiety is a natural reaction to stress. Right? So if you're a psychiatrist, you're probably going to be racking up in these next few weeks while you're handing out all these prescriptions for all this stress and anxiety that people are going through. Psychologists tell us that fear, worry, and anxiety are all the same thing. All the same thing. And I want to say again faith is not foolishness. Faith is not foolishness. And God has created us so incredible. And He put a little thing deep in our brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is responsible for perceiving emotions such as fear and anger and sadness and these kind of things. And it helps us to control aggressive behavior and our aggressive responses back toward these emotions. It also helps us store memories of events to protect us. But is that part of the brain that has a reaction either that causes us to fight, to flee, or just to freeze frozen? See, God created the brain this way for protection. But prolonged and chronic fear can certainly cause physical harm. You think about, and we deal a lot with children who have a lot of unhealed trauma. We deal a lot with adults who have unhealed trauma. And they're walking around and they're just, uh, they're just consumed with brokenness and fear and anxiety, waiting on the shoe to fall, waiting on the rug to be pulled out from under them. They go from one wrong relationship to another wrong relationship, abuse after abuse after abuse. And we're asking them, why can't you just get it together? Because of the damage that it does. Let me just give you some examples of what fear does to your physical health. These are just some of the things that happens. This is from Dr. Mary Moeller. I think I posted this part on Facebook this week. So for our physical health, it affects our immune system. It causes dysfunction in our immune system. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have been consumed with fear this week? Probably not any of you, because you wouldn't be here if you did. Right. Now, we want to be cautious. And like I said, faith is not foolishness. But how many of us have been consumed with fear? Locked up in our rooms, locked up in our houses. It affects the endocrine system, causes dysfunction. It it causes autonomic nervous system alterations. It causes sleep and wake cycle disruptions. It causes eating disorders from one extreme to the other. It causes alterations in the hypothalamus-pituitary-adrenal axis, which is what helps also regulate these neurochemicals that keep us still and, and steady. Listen, Dr. Moller. She says the potential effects of chronic fear on physical health include headaches turning into migraines, muscle aches turning into fibromyalgia, body aches turning into chronic pain, and difficulty breathing turning into asthma. This is a neuroscience, a neuroscientist. That's the effects on the physical health. What about the emotional health? What does chronic fear do on the emotional health? A dissociation from yourself. Borderline personality disorders, bipolar disorders, multiple personalities. You say, well, wait, that's not really real. Oh, it's real. It's real and they're all around you. Unable to have loving feelings. Why? Because you always have this fear of rejection. I'm going to abandon you before you abandon me. We see it all the time with people. Learned helplessness. Oh, I can't do that. Number one, I'm afraid that I won't do it right or I'm afraid that I'll be criticized or I'm afraid that I'm going to fail. Just imagine living your life, all of your life, afraid you're going to fail. You never do anything. And you live your life, then you've got this, this quiet desperation, this frustration that Emerson talked about. You know, we just live our lives in quiet desperation and nothing seems to be happening for us. And we can't figure it out, so I must be a loser. I might as well end it all. Phobic anxiety. You know, all the phobias that are in the world. Afraid of crowds, afraid afraid of water, afraid of germs. Mood swings. I talked about bipolar. Obsessive compulsive thoughts. Continued living in fear generating situations due to uncertainty of moving out and unknown associated dangers. I had a young lady that's ever... I've had a couple of these, but uh, one that that I knew quite well... And all of a sudden, just like that, she decided she was afraid to get in her car and drive. She quit school, she quit church, she quit everything. And we had to go through a process of breaking that spirit of fear off of her because that's what it was. Not able to find safe housing, afraid to leave home because of paranoia. So that's on the emotional. How about the spiritual health? Bitterness and fear toward God or others. Fear and bitterness toward God or others. Confusion or disgust with God or religion. So you've got such a block on your heart because you're so bitter towards God, you can't receive from Him. You can't even maybe receive the plan He has for you for your healing. Loss of trust in God and or the clergy. Waiting for God to fix it. Well, God's in control. If He wants to heal me, He'll heal me while I'm continuing (sighs) And eating and eating and eating and all the other things that we do that destroy our health. Not getting any rest. Despair related to perceived loss of spirituality. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. I'm just a loser. I'm not going to make it. Ushers, I want you, there's a sheet back there that I prepared that is a prayer declarations for overcoming fear. Would you would you mind handing those out? I didn't really want you to have it until after the message This actually, I just, uh, this came from, um, from um, Mr. Ben Woodward in an article he wrote on the two deadly power weapons against fear. And those weapons are prayer and worship. Prayer and worship. There's power in prayer. There's deliverance in worship. But I want to give you some script, just a couple of, just quick scriptures. You should be familiar with this. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given to you, what? A spirit of fear. He has not given to you. That is a spirit, and that spirit will come on you, and it will overtake you. See, this is where your, your heart's got to get engaged, and your heart's got to say, you've got to know what the Word of God says. See, when, when fear comes on you and says, you're going under, you're going to die, he say, no, my God says He supplies all my needs. My God says He heals all my diseases. When that fear comes on you and says, your children are lost, you say, oh, no, no, no. The word of God says, great is the greatest of peace of my children, and they're all taught of the Lord. The word of God says, me and my household will be saved. See, so your heart's got to get engaged with what is truth and not get engaged with what is a lie. So if the heart begins to believe the lie, it empowers that lie in our life and opens the door for the enemy. We have to begin to, to get our heart engaged with the truth of what God's word says. So, he did not give us a spirit. This is the amplifier timidity, cowardice, craving, and cring, cringing, and fawning fear. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? But he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well balanced mind and discipline and self control. See, so your mind is going to get out of balance and your mind is going to get all skewed based on what you, how your heart's receiving the information. If my heart is feeding back to the things that my mind is telling me, my mind's gonna be all over the place, right? Well, what's wrong? I can't get peace in my mind. I'm just filled filled with anxiety, all this stuff. No, the heart's gotta the heart's gotta disqualify, it's gotta come up, you know what does it tell us in Corinthians? It's gotta cast down every imagination that exalts itself against this right here. The heart does that. The heart's gotta cast it down. John fourteen twenty seven, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. Do not permit yourself to be fearful. It is your choice. Do not permit yourself to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. We've got to allow, what are we feeding into our hearts? What are we feeding into our hearts? About all we guard, we're to guard our heart. Now, whatever diagnosis you have in your body, that might be a medical fact, but it's not a spiritual truth. So we don't just discount it and say, well, I'm just going to pretend like I don't have it. No, that's foolishness. No, okay, God, I need a plan. I need a plan. And God will give you the plan he wants. I remember Dr. Cherry. You remember Dr. Cherry? I don't know if he's even on TV. You remember him? And he had this huge center in Dallas, Texas. I think it was or somewhere in Texas. And he said there would be people that came to him with cancer. And he would always pray, God, I want you to show me those who have faith for healing and those who don't. And that's what he would do. He would talk to the person. He would discern this person has faith for healing. He would send them back and he would give them a prescription of faith to follow. But those who did not have the faith for healing, he would prescribe a medical process or plan. Is that something? It's the same thing that happened. When I, I told you, when I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, The God said, throw away the medicine. You need to change your lifestyle because it, it's, it was caused by my eating disorder. Now, that's not the case. same for everybody. Let God speak to you. It's different. Type 1 is different than type 2 or whatever. Maybe it's high blood pressure. You won't live on medicine all your life? what about ner- nerve pills I'm getting I know I'm getting real touchy here I'm not saying dump them in the toilet right now but what I'm saying is ask God for a plan and God will bring you the plan I don't want you to begin to speak let's stand if you will I don't want us to I don't want us just to speak uh, declare these over ourselves I love the way he divided this. It says, you are the God who is for me. So these, it's, let's read this together. Now, and I want you to think, I'm declaring this over my body. Think about what it is that you need from God for physical healing. It might be what you need for financial healing or emotional healing or relational healing, but we're, we're kind of focusing on healing today. Wednesday night, I want you to be here. I'm going to specifically hit one really hard that causes a lot of problems in people's life for healing, unforgiveness. Okay, Psalm 18, 19 says, I say like David said, read this with me. I say like David said, You brought me forth also into a broad place. You rescued me because you delighted in me. Psalm 56, 9. This I know that God is for me. He's not against you, He's for you. He wishes above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Psalm 118, 6 and 7. The Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. This is you are the God who answers prayer. Psalm 102, 17. You will respond to the prayer of the destitute. You will not despise their plea. James five sixteen. You said that the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus, you said, Truly, if I ask the Father for anything in your name, He will give it to me. And ask and I will receive so that my joy may be made full. 1 John 3, 21 and 22. I have confidence complete assurance and boldness before God. And I receive from Him whatever I ask, because I watchfully obey His orders, observe His suggestions and injunctions, follow His plan for me, and habitually practice what is pleasing to Him. Mark 11:22 and 24. You told us, have faith in God, that whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. You said, Therefore all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Luke eleven nine through 13 Jesus, you said to me, Ask and keep on asking, and it shall be given me. Seek and keep on seeking, and I shall find. "'Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be open to me. "'For everyone who asks and see, keeps on asking receives, "'and he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. "'And to him who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be open. "'You told me, what father among you, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, "'will give him a stone? "'Or if he asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent?' Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If I then, evil as I am, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will my heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continue to ask Him? And when you declare these things, then just begin to say, God, I need healing. I need healing in my heart. I need healing in my lungs. I need healing in whatever it might be. Get specific with God. God knows what you need anyway. But it, we see we're speaking to that mountain. We're speaking to that. That mountain has no right to be in your life, by the way. But the first thing Jesus said was, "Have faith in God." Very first thing, not in you. I love Terry's testimony when he prayed for a guy that had no eardrum, and he told the guy, "He says I don't have faith for this, but I have faith in the God who can heal." And that man was healed just like that. And still has no eardrum and still heals. Now that's God, that's a miracle, right? That's a miracle. God's in the miracle-working business, but He also wants you to live the blessed life and health. Amen? So, God, I thank You for every person here today. Lord, we pray for those who are not with us. We pray for the sick, Father, they would recover speedily. Father, we thank You, Lord, that Your Word is hidden in our heart, that we might ascend against You through unbelief. God, that Your Word is hidden in our heart, Lord, that we can combat the things that the enemy throws at us, God. That with the information that comes into our head, Lord, our heart processes it in context with Your Word. We don't allow the mind to rule the heart. The heart will rule the mind. And the heart will determine the condition of the soul. And God, as our soul prospers, we prosper. As our soul is healthy, we are healthy. So God, we so thank you. We so appreciate that you are Jehovah Rapha, that you are the Lord God who never changes your word. You don't change your word concerning healing, God. Thank you for the stripes on our Lord's back, for your healing, for our healing. In Jesus' mighty name. I pray blessing. Father, I just pray a divine protection upon every person here. For those that aren't here, Father, I pray for divine protection. Father, no enemy will come nigh our dwelling. We pray that no no plague will come near us. A thousand may fall, ten thousand at our right hand is not coming near us. Father, we, we walk in this supernatural uh, anointing for healing and health and wholeness, Lord. Just like John G. Lake did, God. When that virus, that plague died in his hand. He did not die. The plague died in his hand. God, let any viral germ or any, any contaminant die if it touches our skin. God, we look to you and we believe in you and we trust in you. and We love you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Don't give anybody a holy hug.